Welcome to the IconSam.com podcast, episode one. That's right, folks. Episode one of what will be oodles of mind-tantalizing, unadulterated gallons of entertainment. I'll get into the introductions and uh, everything else later on, but for now, let's start off with this song. This first song is called... If I can find it. It's called Gloria by a group called Ziggy, and I'll explain a bit more about it later. This is Gloria by Ziggy. Sam, you found your old K and J pop podcast. Oh my god, it's amazing. It's so bad. It's so awesome. It's- oh, Sam, I love it. I'm glad that um, I was able to gauge some sort of improvement from the way that I speak <laughs> in a span of 10 years, although it's not as much as I would have liked. I instantly knew it was you, yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, when I listen to it now, like it's it's such a time capsule of everything that I did when I, when I was making those things. Because that was 2006. Right. I remember the room that I was in. I remember yeah, what kind you? of equipment that I used. I was in Astoria at the time. We were in a tiny two-bedroom apartment in Astoria. I particularly remember that I had this idea of like, hey, you know, like I should try a podcast. And the reason why I wanted to try it is because I just got myself uh, a Mac Mini. Were they fairly new then? Were they just been released? When did I they come think out? this was probably like the second generation Mac Mini mm. um, when they had just converted over to the Intel chipset. I think it was about 2010 that I switched mm-hmm. out to, uh, to Apple. Do you, know, do you know what I was thinking? I was like, man, if you'd kept that up, if you have got ten years of K and J pop podcasting under your, would. you'd be the you'd be the king of fucking yeah. JK pop <laughs> right now. That's really crazy though. Like I wonder what the limitations would have been had it gotten so popular that people or like even iTunes probably would have shut it down because I was just playing the tracks mm-hmm. of those songs. But would they have right. seen it as similar to YouTube? They'd be like, oh well, it's just promotion. Mm. I'll take that. Thank you. Well, here's the thing about Japanese music. They're very cagey about their content. Uh, yeah. Right, um, which is why streaming services have not really taken off there. Right. Until recently, also, it seems Apple Music is doing some, some business there now. Yeah, and I think also Google Music just opened up there as well. Oh, that's interesting. Didn't know that, yeah. How would you imagine uh, is the most common way that Japanese people find new music and listen to it? Okay, well, I think I know the answer, but that's not fun. So I will pretend and then you can actually give me the answer because I'm nothing if not a consummate professional radio host, (laughs) co-host, shall I say. Always making it exciting. Yeah, Um, I think it is mostly on FM radio. You're wrong. People still um, rent CDs and they rip it to their portable players. Where do they rent CDs from? Is there like a Netflix, but for CDs or... You can rent it from the, the neighborhood convenience store. Do they have a thing like Redbox where you just have a like, machine? They probably have like... Because in my mind, they have vending machines for everything in Japan. Mm-hmm. So th- presumably they'd have like a, a, a CD vending machine. I would imagine that they would have those things. Mm-hmm. But I think for most of the places, it's still like a, a library of CDs that they have, like magazines. And then you, you take it to the front of the counter and then they check you out. Wow. So they just rip the CD to a CDR? Or do they just rip it to iTunes or I guess that makes sense? Yeah, to like their computer or Mm -hmm. um, to their Walkman or iPhone. Craziness. 
man we had so much so many twitter pals this week it was quite amazing yeah it was great we're now besties with matt lever who's the money guy at gimlet and when i say mm-hmm. besties he followed us back <laughs> twitter besties and then we also had a conversation with john romero holy fuck right. oh my god that's amazing <laughs> but i am ashamed to say that i still haven't actually played his doom levels so i don't i actually um i'm sad to say that i probably will never get to play it one because it's doom were you not a doom 2 person i was mm-hmm. but i feel like the level that he put out was the his version of the the hardest level like you would have have to been practicing for 21 years to even be right. able to get close to completing that level exactly <laughs> some of us just opened it up and play and go oh that's kind of cool. i died <laughs> and then that'd be it right but still that was amazing that was amazing that was so cool yeah i squeed inside definitely i think we all did <laughs> So I'm not actually sure I'm ready to tell my pill story oh, story yet. Three weeks of build up. I know. Okay, um, I've been trying to assemble it in my head. Maybe maybe I'll just go for it. How about it? And if it's terrible, I can just cut it and you can try again next week. <laughs> that sounds and good. And I will try and put in my original emotions to it. Like the gasps. Yes. Audio <gasps> audio <Ooh>. recorded. <laughs> Reactions. Yeah. Or like um, what they do for the like the live studio audience comedy shows or sitcoms, right? Like they record You'll, the fir- the re- audience reaction the first time, <laughs> and then by the twentieth time, the audience is like, "Oh God, make this stop." <laughs> Although I've never been to, have you ever been to a recording of a sitcom? I have not. No, I haven't either. I was. That would be an experience. Yeah, it'd be super interesting, wouldn't it? Except these days, that's kind of fallen out of vogue. Oh right, because they don't really have a laugh track anymore. No. Pretty much only, oh, you know, the only the one I know that's filmed in front of a live studio audience is because they tell you at the top of, it, top of every show is Hot in Cleveland. Another one of my many, many uh, guilty pleasures. Oh, wow. Wait, that's shot in front of a it is. live studio audience? Yes. Oh, it's the one with uh, Estelle Getty. No, Betty White. Betty White, yes. The other golden girl. Which is different from Gilmore Girls. Right. I get those two confused in my head because I've seen neither. So let me tell you about my story. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I shall settle in for story time with Sam. So. Story um, time with Sam. Boom. Bling. Ah, uh, that's awful. I'm going to drop in a little xylophone. Blink. <laughs> I have two older brothers and they pretty much watched anything they wanted to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And these included horror movies, you know, those 80s sexy movies like Ski School. I haven't seen it, but... I can imagine. And did they make you watch these as well? Well, I would just be around okay. and they didn't care. Right. How much How much older are they than you? Seven to seven years and nine years. Oh, wow. Okay. That's quite a gap. Yeah. So things that were appropriate for 12 year olds, <laughs> I would have been nine. Wait, is that math right? That math is horribly wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> if seven years, they, if, one of the, if it was seven years, one of them was 12, then the other, then you would have been five. Right. Yeah. What did I say? Uh, seven. That's okay. I think mm. you were thinking the age gap is seven years. Yes. So you've got seven on the brain. That's okay. I blame, I blame, I, I blame my cold. So totally. they watched anything. And uh, one of the things that they would watch is a show called Amazing Stories and Twilight Zone. Are you familiar with these shows? Uh, I'm vaguely familiar with Twilight Zone. I've not heard of uh, Amazing Stories. So Amazing Stories was Steven Spielberg's version of Twilight Zone format. But rather than it being more gruesome, it would have been more fantastic. Uh, a bit of happiness rather than like a, a, a twinge of horror. They're all pretty good. Um, I don't know why they don't reboot Amazing Stories. It's actually quite 
um, it was actually quite good. Studio execs, if you're listening now, you can have that for free. Get on it. Yeah. Um, but one of the episodes that I remembered from Twilight Zone was this episode called Toys of Caliban. And it was this episode where um, there was an elderly family and they had this child who was a little bit special. And this child would have this special ability, which was... Um, his ability to like conjure up things and so these elderly parents would like take care of him and whenever he did something good or he did something right they would bring out like this little picture book of donuts and then the, the kid would look at the donuts and he'd say bring right and then the donuts would appear in his hands and he'd eat the donuts oh my god what a great skill i wish i had that <laughs> right amazing yes. right yes. and then like throughout the story like you see he starts um accidentally bringing things that he shouldn't uh for example apparently when he brings something that's that's alive like like a picture of a deer or like a picture of a dog it would it would come back dead it would appear in his hands like dead and uh one day uh the, the elderly mother comes back to find him sort of like petting something and she looks and had like uh the boy had uh these medical books open and it was like a picture of a heart of course he's like petting this still beating heart and she then has uh, quite a shock and dies, right? And so she dies. And so the, the, the dad comes and, you know, talks to him and says, like, you know, like, you can't do this. And then at the same time, I think there's a there's a social service worker that came by and says, like, you know, he really needs to be in a special house. And mm-hmm. the dad was like, no, this is like our son can't do that. And so he ends up like um, burying the wife in the back. And, and like their the big farm garden or something like that mm-hmm. and uh all of a sudden like he um the boy has like this bout of you know missing the mom and so he looks at like an old picture of them and then says bring right <laughs> right and so like the corpse of the mom comes back into like existence and obviously that's when like the the dad sort of loses it and so he buries the wife again which is like another body now in, in the back and uh he slowly you know this is sort of like the ending of the story when he slowly opens this um he gets this book out of like this locked up cabinet and then he opens the book and he has the sun in his lap and he's saying like look at the pretty colors and then you realize it's like a, a book of explosions and fires and so of course at the end you just see his house like explode what a gruesome tale it is a gruesome tale, right? And I was thinking about this because I always thought the concept of the bring was so powerful and interesting. And then the other part of it is like, it's such a sad story, right? Totally, yeah. And then I, I finally looked it up. This is the to- Toys of Caliban episode of the reboot of the Twilight Zone mm. in like the 80s or 90s. And then guess, and then so like at the end of the story, everyone dies, right? Yeah. So... <clears throat> Guess who wrote this screenplay? This seems like this will be a topical answer. Um, oh God, is it Mike Carey? No. <laughs> well, here's another hint. Mike Carey doesn't kill everyone in the story. Oh, that's true. Uh, who does kill everyone in the story? Um, Stephen King. <laughs> no. He's getting a lot of flack because he can't write the last book. Oh, George R.R. Not- Martin. Right. You are correct. It's written by George R. R. Martin. I thought that was super interesting. Wow, that's amazing. Because, um, I mean, if you think about it as a as a teleplay for a, a story of 30 minutes, it's quite a, a nice and tight story. You have, like, this, this family that seems to be very loving to each other and then, like, has this really unique ability that could be amazing, 
but then something horribly goes wrong and then you have like this this tragic ending which is wraps it up in a way that it's quite poetic and i don't know for some reason that story just like stuck with me i was also thinking about like you know what it takes to write a story like that yeah that's a lot of work you know i think that seems very easy from the outside because i have been kind of trying my hand at some fictional writing on the sides and oh my god it's so hard it's very difficult difficult. yeah (laughs) yeah so i have an outline of uh of a possible story that might be interesting in this sort of amazing story slash Twilight Zone slash Black Mirror format. If only they're still making them, you could you could pitch the idea. Well, Black Mirror, they're still making. Oh, they are. Yes, yeah. Oh, and that's there's a British guy who's the showrunner for that. And since I'm British, I know everyone in Britain. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the annual British meetup at the Applebee's. There are no Applebee's in England. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so here's a story that I've been thinking of. Let me know what you think if it's interesting or not okay so uh and i'm trying to draw this on experiences that i might have and trying to relate them in a way that's um in a in a way that it's like a short story format okay how so, am i judging interest levels interesting for the show do we put like do i cut this <laughs> is that the choice like oh yes let's see if edwin cuts this story or not <laughs> so this I'm, I'm not sure if this story has been told before in like any other medium i feel like it must have somehow and and maybe I've subconsciously um, memorized mm-hmm. it and I'm sort of regurgitating the story. But so the story is, is there's his family, uh, very happy, obviously. Yep. The dad is very hardworking. Um, let's say he's a scientist on the brink of discovering something that he feels is very, very important to maybe life and, and uh, society, right? Yeah. Let's say he works in like his home lab. Okay. Right. Well, I can tell you now... I think you've been watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. It's, think of that scenario. <laughs> okay. But, and so... Um, Do you see Jeff Goldblum loves, as playing the dad? I see... Oh, no, it was Rick Moranis, wasn't it? It was who Rick was, Moranis. Who, what was the show where Jeff Goldblum was the eccentric scientist, scientist father guy? The, the fly. Like, <laughs> I don't think he was a father. No, yeah. No, he also did a worse movie. More kids movie. Cats and Dogs. <gasps> oh my God, he's a cats and dogs. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. <laughs> you know how I got that? I yes. found, <laughs> I searched Jeff Goldblum scientist and there's this list that says six times Jeff Goldblum has played the scientist. <laughs> <laughs> like, it probably wasn't Independence Day that I was thinking of. <gasps> Number cats six, and dogs. cats and dogs. That does contain one of my favorite lines in all of movie history. And I'm going to re- re- regale you with it now. I don't even remember this movie. <laughs> Evil does not wear a bonnet. Because <laughs> the, uh, the the evil character <clears throat> is the fluffy cat that you'll see on the um, on the poster. Oh my god! How do you even remember this movie? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this seems like an awful, awful movie. <laughs> yep. but, oh, no, you can't. It's got a solid five point two rating on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> but the evil cat cat's owner is very overbearing and keeps dressing dressing him up <laughs> and one time in a bonnet that's amazing anyway i'm sorry i've completely derailed your story please continue so okay so the the family um the dad of the family who is slash scientist is of course loves his family very much but he realizes that he keeps getting distracted whenever he's on the verge of like scientific discovery like right when his experiments are going right he feels, oh, you know, I have to pick up the kids. I need to 
um, I need to do this for the family. I got to put them into bed. And then I'm going to go back to work. And then like when he goes back down to his lab, he is obviously like just wiped out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, cannot, cannot do anything more and just feels like his day in terms of like scientific progress has been wasted. Whereas like his family life is pretty good, right? Yeah. So he of course wants to maintain this balance between his work and having showing love and affection for his family. So he invents this pill um, where his consciousness of being awake is um, is maintained. Uh, let's say his consciousness uh, when he wakes up at night is uh, fully intact, but to a point where like he feels refreshed and he feels like he's had like a full eight hours of sleep. Um, the other thing that he realizes about this pill is that in order to save his memory retention of the scientific progress that he's making, he makes it so that it blocks out the the parts of the day where he's awake. So like the parts of the day where he's doing the daily minutia of, you know, taking the kids to school, um, taking, you know, mowing the lawn and all that stuff, right? So he invents this pill where his consciousness gets knocked out, but he's on like this autopilot mode. Okay. For his family. Okay. And so the family suspects nothing, right? So is it kind of works like a split personality? There's like his family time personality and then his mm-hmm. consciousness, then his uh, scientific undertaking consciousness. And the two aren't aware of each other. Yeah, so he takes his pill in the morning and like lies down in bed. And then next thing he knows, he wakes up and it's nighttime and everyone's sort of tucked into bed, very happy. And that's when he sort of puts on his coat, goes downstairs into his lab and continues with this work mm, okay right yeah feeling refreshed mm. but realizes from like the notes around the house you know like the notes that the wife's leaving him that everything's going well right but the wife doesn't know that he's taking the pill so things go on you know and it continues until saying like hey the family needs to talk to you and ultimately what it's gone down to is the family likes this alternate self of him better <laughs> And so uh, what he doesn't realize is the pills that he's taking are actually shortening his conscious time even more to a point where like at the end of the story, he is no longer conscious. And so his autopilot self has taken over. That was that was my pill story. Oh, I like it. But don't you think you've heard that before? I don't know. I've not heard that before. Hmm. Well, let's put it out to the internet and see if we can find where the story came from. So that'd be interesting if they can like, if anyone can pinpoint a similar story. But did that make sense? Did that uh, sort of play out okay? Yeah, that did. That was good. Especially considering your current physical state. Yeah. No, that, mm. made, that was good. I liked it. There's a lot to chew on. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> have you played any good games this week? I have. Um, I, I Actually, 10 of us in the office have played this one game. It's called Subterfuge, and I'm calling it the best game I never want to play again. <laughs> can you give us a synopsis so i would say if we had to find an analogy of subterfuge i would say it's most similar to the game diplomacy i don't know if you know what that game is uh i'm vaguely familiar with it you have like there's the map of the world and you need mm-hmm. to say you get to claim various countries and there's some subterfuge uh-huh, involved <laughs> yes exactly so i had to look up the word subterfuge because i didn't think it was an actual word because the game itself is about submarines. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I thought yeah, Subterfuge like- was just a clever name where they fit in the word sub. So, so the game is a lot like Diplomacy where um, 
the actual mechanics of winning and losing a region is pretty simple. So in the game Subterfuge, it's an underwater map that goes all around. So it's a 360 global map where if I keep going north, it'll, I'll end up to the south of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's a 360 map of uh, these randomly placed bases that people have to start um, taking over. In this game, there was 10 of us, and I'd say we probably started at about three points, and they're probably evenly distributed, maybe about 10 points that we can take in total before everything filled up. So about 50 of these points scattered across the the map. And the idea is to um, start producing uh, in the game what's called drillers, and then sending them out to sort of take over uh, different regions. So the more that you sent out, the more chances are of you winning uh, a certain region. Okay. Right. So a lot like diplomacy, um, you send your forces out and then you grow them and then you send them out some more. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then the mechanics between contention is that um, whenever you're trying to take over a base, um, if the attacker sends over 20 drills in a submarine and then your base only has 10 drills, um, that person will then take over your base with only 10 of their drills remaining. So very simple, right? Okay. There's a little bit of more nuanced stuff with like shields around bases and uh, special characters being on those bases, but that's not really the important part. Overall, um, the actual win-lose mechanics are pretty simple. So where it gets super interesting is uh, the discussion that happens outside of the game. The gameplay, uh, for us, it lasted right around a week. And this is this is all online, right? This is all on your phone, yes. Yeah, okay. And so the reason why it lasts a week is because as I'm moving uh, some of my drills over to another base, that time span from my drills getting to that base would be about 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so it's almost like it, real time? <laughs> it's, a, it's slash sort of. pseudo real time, yeah. yeah. Um, so what the, the problem of that, and the cool part about that, so the problem of that is that if I send something out at like 5 p.m., mm-hmm. then that thing is going to reach that base at, fuck my math, <laughs> uh, 3 a.m. At 3 a.m., right, exactly. Yep. And so um, I'll have to find out during that time how that person is reacting to me sending out that thing to that person's base. Mm. And it can take that span of 10 hours, but you're also sending it out in like 10 different ways, right? Mm. so this game also includes a a in-game chat client which actually works pretty well and it allows you to chat with certain people uh in certain rooms and that's really the key to this game it's like um you have to tell other people hey i'm going to be sending these guys over to your base but don't worry i'm not actually attacking you i just wanted to show other people that we're not actually allies and say stuff like that right Mm -hmm. but then the the other amazing thing that happens is that rather than you really being allies with them you actually backstab them and take over their base i can see how friendships can be ruined by this (laughs) exactly so (laughs) the name of our game was actually called spotify friendship breaker and i felt that and i felt that it actually came close to breaking some friendships did you get a whole new perspective on some people that you hadn't really thought about before (laughs) yes totally um wow yeah, it was very enlightening about the different personalities <laughs> yeah. that we have in the office. You're like, wow, this guy's like, you're actually a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. 
And that's what really that's the most uh, amazing part about this game is are the stories that come out, right? It's I don't remember the different moves that happen, but what I remember are me interacting with that person and and the feelings that I felt like, hey, you know, like I can actually trust this guy. And it was really cool that they did this thing, right? Mm, yeah. And then remember that one time when we both allied together and took over that one other guy's base. Like it's those are really interesting stories that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this moment where everything was going really well. And this one guy totally just like monkey wrenched the entire game. <laughs> and the feeling of white hot rage that I had at that moment, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it was really something that I've never felt in any game ever. And just all the... That's the, amazing. Yeah. Like, these were actual emotions. I was like, that, that slow motion feeling you get when things just flip up from under you. <laughs> Do you remember where you were? Yes. I was <laughs> exiting the subway. And I remember, like, just standing there looking at what happened. It's just like leaning against a lamppost, holding on. Right. With your legs buckled underneath you. If it was a movie, there would have been a slow motion shot of me like dropping my glove or something and like another shot of it like hitting the floor. Yeah. But then like I realized at right after that moment, like I wanted to I wanted to punch this person in the face. <laughs> and then And you're not really a violent person. No, I'm not a violent no. person. But like me realizing that oh my god, like this game makes me want to punch this guy in the face was so amazing that I no longer wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> As they say, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> right. Definitely a very interesting game with really good mechanics. Um, but I do not think that I'll ever play this game again. It is just too taxing. Yeah, it's like you don't want to play it with people you like <laughs> in case you suddenly get the realization that you don't like them as much as you thought you did right but the thing is like if you don't if you play it with random people and then they pull shit like this there's like no closure like you can't you can't approach them and say hey that was a good move you asshole you know (laughs) there's no possibilities of closure so yeah it's it's a hard decision to play with either random people that you don't know or it with possible people that you kind of like and are okay if you don't like them anymore (laughs) did you win i did win oh there you go (laughs) it was it was uh it was an allied effort okay do you think people had that same white hot rage for you at some points in the game yes i'm pretty sure that they did okay there are there are lots of people that simply resigned because it was um right it's too intense it was too intense yeah, I think that I would have been on. I would have been one of those people. Right. Really interesting game. I would say if you have a week to check it out <laughs> and have about five friends to play this with, it's on both Apple and Android, so you can actually play it really well together. It's called Subterfuge. I have played a computer game this week. We had a little work outing after work, and we went to Barcade, where there were a bunch of old arcade games, mm-hmm. and I rekindled my love of tapper tapper are you you familiar with this game is it the game where you are a bartender yes it is it's amazing it's from 1983 this is yeah a budweiser sponsored game where you are a bartender and your job is to pour pints and serve them to people and that's pretty much it that is the whole gameplay but it's amazing (laughs) but really hard what do you what, what is it about the game that you really like yeah it's just an interesting mix of strategy and reflexes yeah cool it's um it's also one of the first games that i really that i always remember at an arcade 
Yeah, I never play, I've never played it before. I think I may have played it like a year ago. And now I'm like, anytime I go to Barcade, I'm like, right, we're playing Tapper. That's it. I know I'm going to like lose <laughs> like 10 bucks. <laughs> Is that right? Let's resign myself for that fact. <laughs> 10 bucks amazing. in the change machine. That's amazing. Go play Tapper. Yeah. 10 bucks for Tapper. That was pretty much the extent of my computer gaming this week. Although I have made some progress on desert golfing. Let me send you a screenshot. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait. All I'm looking. Oh, my goodness. So this is really hard, right? It shouldn't be too... It should be okay, actually, looking at that one. Um, it was more the uh, the level number. Man, making that progress. That's right. Is, do you think there's an end to this? Yeah, uh, I do. Thanks to a friend of the show, Drew Peterson, once again. He commented... Uh, where did he comment? He was on Facebook. He talks about he's never made it to the demon hole. So then I had to Google desert golfing demon hole and it turns out that level 3200 and something has an impossible level whereby the ball just won't go in the hole huh and then that's it the designer was saying that you'd never <laughs> you never expected people to play this many levels so <laughs> he was like just pick a number and like that that's it um yeah <laughs> so That's crazy yeah i'm looking forward to 300 3200 and something wait aren't you on level 9000 no no that's my score <laughs> oh okay you're okay yeah. so this is flag 3000 my goodness yes that's right that's amazing yeah I'll, i really want to see someone who's good at des- desert golfing and see what their score is because i have no <laughs> concepts because like you know what i get a reasonable amount of hole in ones yeah. i feel i feel like maybe every two two in ten perhaps is a hole in one yep and then of course i have those horror holes like that one i showed you last week where it's 70 <laughs> strokes on a hole damn yeah uh, so yeah anyway that's my computer gaming experience this week i finally watched uh the obama Yes, amazing. It's amazing. It took you three weeks. Great. Yeah, maybe maybe a month, <laughs> over a month. Definitely an orange, and I think it's well deserved to be an orange. Oh, good. Okay, good. I'm glad you uh, you managed to find find time to eat an orange. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and boy, was it delicious. <laughs> uh, no, but it was really good. Um, so whenever I had asked people about the Obama episode of comedians and cars getting coffee, is um. And this was like very distinct. Like they would say, oh man, yeah, that's so cool. Right? Like that was so cool. That that episode is so cool. Who says that? Everyone. Everyone said that. Okay. Like they were, whenever I said, oh yeah, you know, I've been meaning to watch comedians in cars getting coffee. Mm -hmm. And everyone would be, did you watch that Obama episode? I'd be like, oh no, not yet. And they're like, it's really cool. Yeah. That's an interesting description. It's very interesting. And I realized why. So on the span of that particular episode, they say cool about like 12 times. <laughs> right. Yeah, and there's speculation of him being the cool president. Yeah, and then like the the cool car. It's like the coolest car you can have. <laughs> oh, so interesting. So people have been subliminally uh, lured into thinking it's cool. Right. And Obama says cool like a bunch of times. It's really interesting. But it is a cool episode just because, like, <laughs> Obama is so cool, right? <laughs> yes. Were you expecting him to be more candid or less candid? I guess I was expecting him to be more candid. 
but then I also wasn't because he's the reigning president. Reigning? Is that the right, right. word? I guess monarchs reign. Uh, he's the he's the actual president, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. I was actually kind of disappointed in that cafeteria where they had the coffee. <laughs> That was the saddest cafeteria I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, it was obviously like a cafeteria that's in use and people are having like their lunches there. Yes. But it also seemed like it's a cafeteria in the White House. And it's it was like uh, one of the saddest cafeterias. It didn't even have like a, a really good coffee maker. This had Mr. Coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they never showed us that in the West Wing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where was that scene? Right. By the way, West Wing is now on Netflix. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, no, I've been I've been dabbling on some back episodes because it turns out that I can only watch TV shows from the 90s as I'm rewatching some Seinfeld and Frasier and now uh, West Wing. But yeah, the, the Obama episode, definitely should watch it if you haven't. I think I was also missing some laughs as well, which I think is also understandable. Right. Like it's the fucking president. But it's so crazy to think he goes golfing with Larry David. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. I was like, what? Really? Wow. And then the fact that when he started talking about Larry David as a pale man, like, Jerry instantly got the reference of the sunscreen and just knows how disgusting, <laughs> how disgusting it is whenever Larry David puts on a sunscreen. <laughs> I thought that part was really funny. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Um, speaking of uh, Seinfeld, I heard Ooh. a really good episode of The Nerdist. Oh, uh, with oh, fuck, what's his real name? Oh, why am I blanking on names? I'm so as I get older, I just get worse and worse with names. I don't know what the <laughs> hell that is. God damn it! Although I was really impressed, I I pulled Rick Moranis out of the air earlier. Yeah, were you impressed by that? That was amazing. Okay, good, thanks. Rick Mor- Rick Moranis, by the way, he is Hollywood's Mr. Nice Guy. Is that official? That is official. Um, there's a really touching story about him on like uh, how he gave up acting when his wife had terminal cancer to take care of his kids. Okay. Yeah, oh. we can't beat that for niceness. That's pretty good. Yeah. David Alexander. David Alexander? Alexander... Fuck. No, wait. Close. George... No, th- Alexander... What? Oh, fuck. Uh, there's an Ale- Jason Alexander. That's yes. it. Oh, God, that was painful. <laughs> it was really painful. But was I got there. I struggled and I got the reward at the end. Yes. <laughs> that feeling of satisfaction. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jason Alexander is a really good episode in The Nerdist where he talks to Chris Hardwick, the host of The Nerdist. Mm-hmm. Um, just about all the stuff that went down during like that, the negotiations during the Seinfeld last season. Yeah, I'm interested to see, get a little glimpse behind the scenes there. Yeah. yeah, it was really good in terms of like listening to him on uh, the stuff that he's doing now as well, like post Seinfeld and just like what that means to an actor from the Seinfeld cast. Right. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really interesting. I thought it was really insightful. Um, also, he's like a huge Walking Dead fan, which I thought oh, was pretty cool too. I have been knitting to the Walking Dead this week. Which season are you on? one okay oh that's right right episode six i think yeah yeah it gets good that is that is definitely an orange for me yeah is it is it an orange because it's intense like it's yes a lot of emotions yeah and it's often i can only eat half an orange at a time sometimes (laughs) 
That means you can only watch half the episode? It does, yes. Okay. You decoded my code. So good. <laughs> uh, AMC must have just been on fire for yeah. the last couple of years just to have Breaking Bad and Walking Dead. They also had Mad Men. AMC's killing it. Yeah, totally. As is sci-fi with its great new, see, uh, its great new show, <laughs> The Expanse. We did just watch episode seven of The Expanse. Oh, really? Just before the show, yeah. So we are fully caught up. How was that? Um, it was... Not much happened. I think it, this... Because I believe it's a 10-episode season. I believe. I could be wrong about that. Hmm. But it definitely felt like it was doing the groundwork for the finale or for working towards the finale. Like, this is the episode that kind of pulled the three strands together and mm-hmm. all the three main characters were sort of converging towards a single place and that's kind of how the episode ended so this was like one of those episodes that's just like a set up for the future episodes a stepping stone if you will still not telling me i was talking to drew about this uh at barcade last night and he hates this show <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was his problem with it uh very similar to yours like he's watched four episodes Mm-hmm. But he was just like, I just don't give a shit about any of these characters. I hate them all. <laughs> well, it's like, it's not even I hate them. I just have no feelings about them. And I have no interest right. in anything that they do. He also took a particular offense to the fedora guy. Mostly because <laughs> of the fedora. <laughs> like, why is he wearing a fedora? He needs the fedora to cover his ridiculous hair. It is quite ridiculous hair. <laughs> and he does get out of a scrape thanks to his fedora in episode five or six my goodness but um yeah and so honestly drew did ask me a good question it's like why are you watching it because you paid for it <laughs> well that aside i still i still am quite enjoying it it's not like oh i guess i have to watch it you know um i'm i'm still watching it i'm still enjoying it um i would say it's really two things uh one i think i'm just desperate for a a tv show with spaceships and the artwork is awesome, is great like when you see the cutscenes of the of the spaceships i'm like yes yeah. that's awesome there's a few of them which are crazy beautiful um are you uh, open to watching anime at all yes i got totally hooked on knights of sidonia right at the end of last year <laughs> have you watched a series called cowboy bebop i have not so i am firmly i i'm in the sense that firefly was heavily based on cowboy bebop oh interesting mm. so if you dig that vibe, I would <laughs> highly recommend you trying to get a copy of Cowboy Bebop. There's the great, uh, maybe it's not great, but there's a pretty good app from Yahoo, which is like your TV guide to all your streaming services. So you can plug in which streaming services you have, and then it'll tell you. You can search for movies or TV shows, and it'll tell you mm. if it's there or not. And it's super useful for things like if you have HBO, who have you know movies for a certain time. So I'll put a link to that in our show notes. Uh, it's called That's Yahoo cool. TV Guide. So let me search for, what do you say it's called? Cowboy Bebop. That's uh, on Hulu. Oh, it is? Yep, according to this anyway. Um, the second thing I like about Battlestar Galactica, nope. The second thing I like, blasphemy. The second thing I like about <laughs> The Expanse is I still quite I mean like the mysteryness of it the mysteryness the uh, the plot I'm still quite intrigued by the plot let's say mm-hmm. like that's I'm quite interested to find out who this Julie person was and how she ended up on the scapulae and why it was mm. destroyed and where the pirate beacon was on there and who destroyed it I still I, I quite want to find out right 
Yeah. But. I think that was like the mystery thing that I was sort of interested in as well. Yeah. And I think for some reason I can put aside the characters that I don't care about somehow in my brain. Mm-hmm. I can compartmentalize that away. And just Are you go, okay. knitting while watching? Um, I'm usually eating while watching. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be one of those two things, yeah. But Sam, you found out you have a previous link to The Expanse that you didn't realize. Yes, that's absolutely true. So uh, I just realized this, um, I think like earlier this week when I was <laughs> telling you about this. Right. Or oh, perhaps when we were compiling the show notes for the last show. Right. Because we linked to the first book, didn't we? Yeah. And then when I was looking through the links, I was like, oh, that, that book sounds super familiar. And I was going through my Goodreads. And then I found that that was a book that I attempted to read, but just found so mind-numbingly boring <laughs> that I actually had to stop. And didn't realize that it was one and the same story. Oh, no. So the first book is called Leviathan Wakes. Right. And how, so how far through the book did you get? And like, do you often just give up on books? Um, no, not often. But I was listening, so I was listening to the audio, uh, the audiobook of this. Mm-hmm. And I had no problems with the narrator, but just like the way, maybe like the way the audiobook also was jumping around. Maybe it does a similar thing where it jumps around from like story to story. Mm. And I think that sort of discombobulated me. But at the same time, like nothing was really going forward. And I think I must have listened to about 25% of the book until I was like, I'm really getting nothing out of this. Like, I'm (laughs) I'm just going to give this up. And then I realized that um, none of that information retained in my memory. So when I was watching... The first two episodes of Expanse, I was like, oh, like, this is interesting. I'm going to try to go with this. And nothing was hitting any uh, markers telling me it was the same thing. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to have a hard time getting you back on board after this realization. (laughs) I'm still going to watch it until episode five, though. Um, Okay. So so where are you now? uh, I'm beginning episode three. Okay. Yeah. I threw my remote controller after episode at the end of episode two. There was one scene that was just so badly done. Um, so in episode two, they go through like, oh, we have to fix the radar in the shuttle in order to get a radio transmission out. Two of the guys walk out and they're walking on like the external part of the shuttle trying to fix this radio. And inside, like the pilot lo- starts losing consciousness because his like O2 mix is out. Mm-hmm. And none of that's clear. Like why is his O2 mix out? And then like, when the doctor guy comes in to to plug him into his breather, they're like, okay, we're buddy breathing now. And then all of a sudden, the doctor starts dying from, like, lack of oxygen. And that's not really clear, like, why that's happening. I mean, normally, if you're going to buddy breathe, like, you essentially are just depleting half the amount. Uh, I, I mean, at the pace that's maybe twice as fast, right? Mm. So if you're going to have a gas tank of about an hour, you'd have 30 minutes, which you think would be fine. Right, at least that's the concept, but none of that's spelled out. And like the doctor guy starts dying, and like there's this really some strange urgency that occurs, and mm, yeah, the right. hero guy like kicks the radar and it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how does he know to kick the radar to let it work? It's just like he just like kicks it. He's like, and why is he in such a struggle to like get it on? And I. Like, none of that is clear. None of that was clear. Yes, uh, now that you mentioned that guy, yeah, I remember the kicking the radar and it's only working. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Really? What the... <laughs> and then they revived the doctor guy 
Um, and then everyone thinks he he dies and he just like takes that breath of life again. And it's just like, oh my God, am I supposed to give a shit that this guy died? Like, I didn't care at all that he died. I had the realization that 90% of the podcasts, I, 95% of the podcasts I listen to are just one or two, uh, two or three white men sitting around talking. Mm-hmm. And that's just... I felt pretty ashamed about that. Yeah. So I've been actively trying to find more shows that aren't that. Um, I came across a show called For Coloured Nerds, which is hosted by Brittany. I forget her last name, but she's she's joined Gimlet and is launching the new show Sampler, which mm-hmm. I think should launch this week, which is cool. a kind of a podcast of podcasts. But uh, she also does a show For Coloured Nerds, uh, and the tagline is uh, what colored people talk about when white people aren't in the room. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, I've only listened to a couple of episodes. I kind of selected promising looking ones from the back catalog. Uh, one of them is called Dear White People, which is also a movie that I really need to watch. Um, and they tackled a question from a reader um, who wrote in and there was a white person who was asking about moving into a prominently black neighborhood mm-hmm. and were asking things about gentrification and how they f- could fit in better and things like that. It was right. a super, yeah, again, a super awesome episode. Go listen to it. Uh, expand your horizons. It's cool. Definitely going to check it out. I actually listened to an episode of Friendshipping. Yay. Awesome. Which is great. The Lord of the Rings episode. It wasn't. It was the. Um, they were answering questions, but it was about the the moleskin journal. I am a little bit behind. I think I've got three or four episodes I need to catch up on. I think this was a couple of weeks back, but it was the okay. one about how to uh, maintain or break up or like moderate certain friendships. That was really good. Um, and then they talk about Star Wars for a little bit, which is great. <laughs> and yes. it's super funny because I think. Uh, Trin is a firm believer that R2-D2 is female and she was talking about the dynamics between R2-D2 and C-3PO <laughs> and, uh, and it was really funny because like whenever she talks about R2-D2 she, it's, it's firmly implanted in her head that R2-D2 is a she mm-hmm. and she'd be like oh yeah like she's such a lying bee like she's a lying sassy bee <laughs> And it's really true. Like, R2-D2 is a lying, sassy bee. <laughs> I thought that, that tidbit was great. The episode that I wanted to... The podcast that I wanted to talk about was um, this amazing episode from Reply All. Uh, oh. It's called The Cathedral. Right. Um, I couldn't talk about it last week because I actually just heard it last week and I was coming home before recording. And mm-hmm. I was on the bus and I was openly sobbing from this episode just like oh no like like gasping for air going ah, 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 like that <laughs> and there are people around me like looking at me like is, is someone breaking up with him <laughs> like what's going on i guess they were they were probably fairly understanding they're like ah he's on a bus <laughs> <laughs> he's on a bus in new jersey <laughs> <laughs> how happy could anyone be to be honest <laughs> And then all the other people just started crying around me <laughs> upon their realization. Uh, but this episode um, called The Cathedral mm-hmm. is um, about the story of an indie game developer 
that makes a game about his four-year-old son who is going through cancer treatments. Amazingly powerful, uh, really, really emotional. So if you have the, the backbone to, to listen through an emotional episode, I highly recommend it. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, awesome. I've had it on my had it on my queue for a while. The new season of X-Files is imminent. Oh, yes, it is. With David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson back at the helm. Mm-hmm. Are you excited by this? I am. After I heard this podcast, I'm actually a little bit more excited. Uh-huh. Because yep. I remember with nothing but fond memories of the X-Files. Yeah, I never was totally into it. I had some friends who were crazy about it. And so I think yeah. they're... They kind of rubbed off on me, but otherwise I was never, yeah, it wasn't a super important part of my childhood. Right. And I feel that, <clears throat> I think it was it was just good when David Duchovny was on it. I think when that other guy was on there, it was pretty shitty. This podcast was uh, Kumail Nanjiani, who is the Pakistani guy from Silicon Valley. He plays Dinesh. One of the funniest actors on that show. (laughs) Yeah. He does like a series of podcasts where him and his friend talk about each uh, episode of the X-Files because they're huge X-Files geeks after watching like an episode of X-Files. And he also happens to be in one of the episodes of the upcoming new season of the X-Files. And in this episode, he actually has a chance to talk, to have a quick chat with David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson Mm. on some of their favorite stuff that happens uh, back in the day. And I thought it was just a really fun and slightly insightful episode where you can actually hear how David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson speak. It's so different. Like David Duchovny just sounds like a total sleazebag when he's just talking like himself. But on the show, he's all, you know, like very buttoned up and, and he's, you know, Fox Mulder. Hot and Cleveland are apples. Oh, God, totally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, they put the granny in Granny Smith. (laughs) 